Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Goes by the pseudonym Bo Snurdly. It's time for the soul of excellence. He is a radio host at 77 WABC here in New York. The Rush Hour is on the air. Rush, Rush. Now here's Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Welcome to Bo Snurdly Rush Hour. I am Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden today. I'll be with you until 5 when I hand off this glorious microphone to John Katsimatidis for the top-rated drive-time show, Cats at Night. You can listen to us anywhere on the globe by tuning in on good old-fashioned radio, 77 WABC, the most powerful radio station in the nation. You can also download the app, and you can always get this program in the form of a podcast. Feel free to join into the program. We've got Rich taking your calls, Joe on the other side of the glass, and the Red Apple Podcast Network is where you can get this as a podcast later on. And it is really an honor to be with you today. You know, some of you may hear me on Saturdays when I do a show called The Middle from 2 to 3, and then Curtis Lee and I do Left versus Right. But this is a real step out of my comfort zone. Weekend talk is pretty relaxed. You know, people have a different vibe. They're sitting on their porch or they're keeping half an eye on the baseball game. The the vibe is very different. Stepping in for the great James Golden here on the Rush Hour is really an honor. And it's and let's face it, this is probably one of the busiest travel days of the year. And there's a fair bit of pressure sitting in this seat. It is one of my favorite shows on radio, and I know that you look forward to it every day at 4 o'clock. And holiday fi- fill-ins, they really are on radio. They're sort of like... What would be the sports metaphor? They're kind of like a late-season call-up in Major League Baseball. You know, when it the games are a little quieter, maybe there's not as much on the line. They go down the minor leagues and see if someone's ready to hit Major League pitching. And now here I am sitting in for Bo Snurdly on Christmas Eve. It is no joke. We're going to talk about the ominous omnibus, the horrible weather, maybe the horrible New York Jets if you really want to depress me. Uh, we're going to also raise the subject. Maybe we'll do this about the bottom of the hour. We're going to raise the subject. Does happiness make you grateful or does gratitude make you happy? 800-848-WABC. But let's get some things on the table right from the top. First of all, yes, I am that Anthony Weiner. Um, I was a congressman from Brooklyn and Queens. For those of you who are unfamiliar with my work, I ran for mayor a couple of times. I resigned from Congress in a scandal. I was doing stupid things on Twitter before it was a fad. Um, I struggled with addiction, got into rehab, went to prison for 18 months and five days for obscenity. Um, And I've been living a life of uh, trying to be in recovery. And I can talk about all of this honestly now. 
And if you want to talk about it, I won't cut you off. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. If you want to ask about your own struggles, you can do that too. I want to try to be of service if I can. If you want to ask about a family member who struggles, like my late brother Seth, who I lost to addiction, of course you may do that. I am um, an open book, and you know, rigorous honesty is what I aspire to. It wasn't always the case, as a, both as a politician and someone who got caught doing things he was ashamed of. It wasn't always the case that I believed in rigorous honesty. And all that happened, I mean, <laughs> to be cute about it, happened in the last decade. This decade, I've been living a much smaller and sweet life, I'm trying to be present for my 11-year-old son, Jordan. He just had his birthday on the 21st. Happy birthday to him. I'm trying to make amends to Jordan's mom and to the many people who I harmed with my behavior and generally trying to live one day at a time and thinking about taking the next right step. Um, but I still care about the things I always have. I love my city. I love my country. And I continue to be amazed that a middle-class kid from Brooklyn whose mom was a public school teacher could eventually hold a job that's actually mentioned in the Constitution. I realize how very blessed I have been. Um, but today that journey has given me a liberty and a, a freedom that I really didn't have before as an elected official. Uh, with my downfall came a humility that you really get to learn when you're in politics. Politici- politicians are not, are not people that generally you associate with excess humility. But I learned not only to say that I was wrong, but to celebrate the idea that I have a lot to learn. And there is a powerful realization that perhaps some of you can relate to, this notion of coming to believe that a power greater than yourself could restore you to sanity. So when John Katsimatidis asked me to join on the radio with Curtis earlier this year, I I was so grateful, but I... I told him that I could not be the Anthony Weiner that maybe he and Margo once knew. Um, I remember there was a moment at the press conference announcing me and Curtis doing our show Left versus Right, which is on at 3 o'clock on Saturdays, where they said, you want to put on a boxing glove? You could both put on a boxing glove to kind of play up the pugilistic part. And I just wasn't prepared to do it. I'm not prepared. I wasn't and I'm not now prepared to be part of a professional wrestling match on the radio. Um, I still have fight in me, but in all of my trials, I have learned so much by just listening to voices that I had ignored before. Uh, but something else has also happened since I was last in elected life. The fringe that I knew has become the mainstream. I represented in Congress some of the most conservative neighborhoods in New York City, Glendale, Howard Beach, Sheepshead Bay in Brooklyn, Breezy Point, even Sid's neighborhood out in Rockaway. I represented all of all of those neighborhoods. I was a partisan Democrat. Make no mistake about it. I supported things like single-payer health care. But as representing that district and being the moderate kind of voice that I thought I was, I was a hawk on Israel. I sponsored legislation to use federal dollars to hire and give raises to police officers and to give increased death benefits to firefighters. You know, I was a fairly centrist politician from a fairly centrist district. But today, you know, because of the rise of the power of the AOC left and maybe the fringe right, I would probably not be able to get elected, truth be told, in my district anymore. Um, That's why I call my show The Middle. 
And that's why when I talk about issues with Curtis on left versus right, we seem to often agree more than we don't. You know, we come from very similar places, uh, both geographically and also philosophically. And so if you're wondering, are, are you getting get an hour today of me strutting around the ring like the heel in a professional wrestling match, you might be disappointed. This isn't my show. It's your show. It's James Golden's show. I'm simply a grateful visitor, and I'm grateful that John and Margo Katsimatidis and Chad Lopez, they've given me the opportunity to, to try it out. Um, on the other hand, and I just want to point this out, you know, I'm still a New Yorker and I'm still, <laughs> I'm still the same guy. I'm not going to agree with you just be, to make you like me. I don't think you want that. I don't think that shows you any respect. Um, I believe in calling bull when people in DC or in the media say stuff that is either not true or intended just to make people hate their neighbors. Also, from my life in politics, I can tell you things are not black and white all the time. Um, there is not always a quick and easy answer to every problem. Uh, one person's obvious solution is another person's boondoggle. I have learned from being a politician and from just being a citizen. And it's not just, you know, and it's not just liberals and conservatives. It's, you know, I'm always suspicious when a host here on 77 WBC, and I listen to all the shows. I, I'm a big fan. I'm, a, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm a progressive. I'm a moderate, but I really enjoy the programming here. And I believe what's going on here in WABC should be replicated in other places. You know, whatever you're, you know, no one is asked to check their partisan affiliations at the door. You're supposed to bring them with you, but be ready for a real conversation. But I always get suspicious when a host or a caller or even a buddy of mine on my hockey teams refers to them, them. You know, they did this or they want this or they made this. Um, we should, we're in America. We're Americans. There should always be us. I mean, that's ultimately what politics is about, this notion of us coming together with all of our differences and trying to figure out the outcome that we think is right. And no better item from the news to exemplify all what is right and wrong with that than the fact that today, probably in the next five hours, that we are going to have a single bill that is going to fund the entire federal government almost for a year till September of next year. And there is so much about it to dislike. It's 4,155 pages. You've heard James described it. I think he might have coined, coined the phrase, the obscene omnibus or the obtuse omnibus or the omnipotent omnibus, whatever they're calling it. It's $1.7 trillion. It is every corner of the federal government funded through September. And just that fact is a reason not to like it. This is not a way to run a railroad. And then when you start to read some of the things that are in this giant bill, and I will not even claim to have done that. It's funny, when we passed Obamacare and they had that chant, read the bill, read the bill, I was one of the guys on the committee that wrote the bill, so I was able to say that bill I read. This one, I did not. Um, But it has... You've heard about the Michelle Obama trail. They have money for fish, bee-friendly highways, opera fire alarms. Even though the opera fire alarm is here in my hometown, $750,000 for fire alarm modernization at the, at the Metropolitan Opera. A Ukrainian independence park. How about this little factoid? The word salmon appears in the bill 48 times. I mean, they've, there is money to study the impacts of 
culverts and roads and bridges on salmon. Listen, I get it. I like salmon as much as the next guy. International Fisheries Commission. I don't even know, Joe, do you even know there's an International Fisheries Commission? There is. $65.7 million. You know, and it's worse this year. But before you line up, and I want to hear, hey, listen, here's a thing for callers. Would you vote yes or no on this bill? 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. We're going to get some chance for some calls. But before you make that decision, I want to tell you some other things that's in the bill, as in addition to all that stuff. $45 billion for Ukraine, including, and that's a 10% increase in defense spending, a 4.5% increase, um, a, uh, a raise of salary for our troops, $38 billion for disaster assistance in the West and the South. I don't know, if, you know within the sound of my voice if you can hear that. If you're listening to it on the app, you, you, we have many listeners in those areas. 20% increase for veterans' health care to, to funds for the PACT Act. You know, all these military people who were working next to these burn pits and they were getting sick from it and the government has refused to pay. Now they're going to. 25% increase in housing for our veterans because inflation is going up. A lot of um, homeless veterans, and so they're increasing the, the funds for their housing. A 10% increase for the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Administration. I did a whole show on fentanyl on the middle this past uh, Saturday. And for those people who think it was outrageous that they increased all of those officers for the IRS, they reversed that, cut the IRS. One of the few agencies has a net cut, IRS cut by 2%. Border Patrol. I have heard people over and over again say they no money for border. 17% increase, 300 new agents for Border Patrol in this budget. Customs and Border Protection, which is where they process them, 12% increase. I mean, this was a mistake. Um, only a third of what Biden asked for for the U.S. citizen immigration. That's where they do the asylum hearings for all these people who are lining up for asylum. So the point is, there's a lot. Oh, there's more in it. Oh, here's something that's in there. Talked about fentanyl. Seventy million dollars for these new scanners that scan vehicles as they come through because people are not carrying it in their backpacks or on their body. These are major businesses. They're bringing it in on cars, usually cars of U.S. citizens. $70 million for new scanners that let the scan, the car drive right through and they can immediately see if there's a density change that means, means that there, um, there are drugs in there. $1 billion for the 9-11 health fund. They didn't get a permanent funding, but they did get it until 2020, till 2027. And then there are some things that I, like make sense to me. A ban on TikTok. Good for them, but ban on TikTok on all government phones. Stuff that's not in there. They took out all the money for COVID-19. Look, there's a lot of stuff. And when we get back from the break, I'm going to try to explain why this happens and why it was so bad this year. But I want to hear what you have to say, because these are not easy questions. Remember, if you vote no, you vote no on all that stuff, the second part of the stuff, not just the first part. And we'll get a chance to get your calls. 800-848-WABC. This is Anthony Weiner in for James Golden. It is my honor to be here with you. we got the whole team here carrying you through 800-848-WABC on Christmas Eve Eve. And we'll see you on the other side. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. 
This is The Rush Hour with those Nerdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And welcome back. This is Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden on The Rush Hour. And if there's no other reason to love this show, the music, let's face it, this the the beauty of this version of 77 WABC that John and Margot Katsimatis put together is it is the best of all the stuff we remember when we were kids. I grew up with ABC as a music radio station, and then it became a talk station, and now it's the best of both, and no one does that better than James Golden and the Rush Hour crew. So we're talking a little bit about this omnibus and if you want to get in on the conversation, tell us how you would vote 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Rich will take your call. We'll get you on the board. And if there's other things, if you want to, you know, talk about me, if you've been something you want to get off your chest to me. I remember when I first started doing the show The Middle on, on Saturday from 2 to 3, the first few episodes were a lot of calls of people saying, hey, what the heck, you disappointed me, or I'm angry at you, or I don't believe you deserve a second chance, and that kind of stuff. If you want to... Make those calls. I, I've, I've told the team here. I'm, uh, th- that y- this is your show, and I'm just, I'm just dropping by. But some people have asked the question: Well, why does it seem like this omnibus, this process, this year is so much worse? And why is it that Republicans and Democrats both seem to have either gotten what they want, or not, depending on what your perspective is? And I, you should know. You know, I, 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 I listen to the show. I know there's a lot of. Criticism, oh, well, the Democrats got what they wanted. The Republicans didn't get what they want. Well, I can tell you what's going on across town, and that is a lot of the progressive voices are saying quite the opposite. Um, I have a printout. There was uh, um, something called the National Immigration Justice Center. has a whole list of lowlights from the bill because they say there's too much enforcement in the bill, just to give you an idea, on the an immigration side. But, you know, how is how does this happen? Well, first of all, we're in an era of the omnibus. It's not supposed to be this way. But it's been this way now, 15 years, maybe more. I went to Washington as a staffer in the 1980s, got elected in 1998, started serving in 99, was out in 2011. So the way it's supposed to work is there are 12 subcommittees of the Appropriations Committee, and each of those subcommittees has a certain part of the federal budget. Obviously, there are more than 12 agencies, so most of them have more than one. Like the, you know, except with the Department of Defense, that's one Appropriations Subcommittee. And what's supposed to happen – is they're supposed to go through, have hearings, decide what to add, holding agencies accountable, et cetera, et cetera. And then you're supposed to have 12 different votes. And in those votes, it used to be any member of the, of the House could go to the floor and make an amendment. They usually – I mean the only rule was if you were going to add something, you had to strike something to pay for it. A pay for is, is the, was what they would call it. And that's the way it's supposed to be. But when the margins became so close in the House and you needed 60 votes in the Senate, and as I talked about earlier, as the parties became so governed by their wings, by the extremes of their party, um, a handful of people figured out that they can stop any of these bills. Some people voted no because there were things in it that they opposed. Some people vote no because they don't have as much in it that they want for something. Coming up, the easiest vote in Washington is always to vote no. And I see some people already up on the board saying they would vote no on this bill. And to be honest with you, I'd have a tough time voting for it. I probably would. And so the current model 
kind of creates this system where they put everything all together and kind of says to the entire membership of the House and Senate, you get enough, but you won't get everything, outcome all at once. So in other words, if you want to vote no on some provision on a Michelle Obama trail, you're going to vote no against funding for police officers. And that's the model that came to pass. But why is it that they're doing it now at the 11th hour of the session in a lame duck session and funding it all the way through September when a new Congress is coming in? Well, the answer to that is two words. Kevin McCarthy. I guess there are names to whatever Kevin McCarthy. And I don't mean him in particular, but the idea is the same. You know, you've been hearing James talk about the idea that the margins are so close that Kevin McCarthy can't quite figure out a way to get all the votes he needs to get elected speaker because there are five holdouts. That's all it takes, five. So there is a fear on Republicans in the Senate part by Mitch McConnell and the senators that voted for Remember, 18 senators voted for the package, saying they don't believe that Kevin McCarthy as speaker or whoever the speaker is will ever be able to cobble together the votes for an appropriation bill ever once or an omnibus or 12 of them. And they might not be wrong because remember, if all the Democrats decide we're going to vote against, which you have to assume that's going to happen. And all you need is five of your own team to say they're not going to vote for it. Boom. You're not able to get it. So a lot of the Republicans felt if we don't do something now, and these are the senators, then we're not going to ever be able to get anything done. So that's why it kind of took took this fervor right now. Now, is that fair? I don't know if it's – I don't know. I But I just want you all to understand what the thinking was on the part of Mitch McConnell. And by the way, he got a lot of stuff. The Republicans got a lot because the Democrats are about to lose the House and Senate, so they had a – they had to figure out how to get some of these stuff done. Well, Chuck Schumer had a lot of pressure on him to try to get some of this stuff done. He didn't even get all the money in for the 9-11 first responders that he wanted because he knows he's going to lose a lot of leverage comes January when there's a divided government, when the Republicans take over in the Senate, in the House, rather. So that's why it worked out to be the way it was. So you, the listeners, you get a chance to be a member of the House of Representatives since it's going to them to vote. Tonight, it's got to be. I mean, they're, they're running out of time. You get to vote no. But I want to tell you, if you vote no, you get none of the good stuff and you go back to your constituents and say you didn't get any of the good stuff. If you vote yes, you can't complain about Michelle Obama trails and salmon fishing and everything, all this other wasteful stuff. And don't get me wrong. <laughs> I have a problem with the same stuff you have a problem with. I'm a Democrat. I, this system's the worst. I don't like it. I don't like it. I'm just trying to explain to you the real practicalities of when you're there, the idea that there's so much stuff in a bill, it's almost, you know, what's the expression, too big to fail? This is too big to fail. And so that's where it is. So let's take some calls. And um, and a little later in the program, we're going to have a conversation more apropos for this holiday. I'm going to ask the question, Does happiness lead you to be grateful or does gratitude lead you to be happy? Kind of a big thought on a holiday weekend. So let's go to some of the calls. Um, First, we have uh, Chris in the Catskills. Hey, Chris. Hey, good afternoon, Anthony. Brilliant having you fill in for James. I've called into both of your programs before. Uh, I'd have to read the bill first. 
the, the pay raise that the uh, state representatives are getting, I don't have a problem with it. I'd like to see them have more scheduled session days, though, rather than 57 tentative scheduled session days. You bringing up the discussion of addiction, I've had some struggles myself. I think highly intelligent people have issues with addiction when there's a problem-solving default mechanism in the human mind, and if something has happened to you that is traumatic and your, your brain is trying to come up with a solution to the problem, to the traumatic experiences, and it doesn't come up with a solution, the default mechanism is to have an issue with addiction. Both of my parents had issues with, with reading too much and collecting too many books. And unfortunately, all these addiction problems, whether it's the Internet, whether it's drinking or smoking marijuana, whether it's reading too many books, they have unfortunate circumstances later on in life. Well, you know, Chris, that's an excellent call, and I really appreciate your calling. Um, look, first about the, the pay raise part of it, and then I do want to address the stuff about addiction. That's, that's a New York State issue, and I think it's a fair point that you make and, and and we're going to talk about that a little bit uh, on tomorrow's show or maybe maybe sometime next week the problem i have with the pay raise is anytime the legislature gets a pay raise it should be tied to something that we need to get that we haven't been able to get meaning ethics reform meaning campaign contribution limits meaning end of proxy voting those types of things but the point that chris makes about addiction uh, is an important one there is a school of thought around addiction that it comes back to some kind of a management of a trauma that you had. Maybe it's a big trauma, maybe it's a small trauma. And that addiction is this notion that the brain, the mind, your activities, you're trying to fill, not to be hokey about it, but you're trying to fill a God-shaped hole that you have, that you're trying to compensate for. And I can tell you, having spoken to, met with, been in rooms with a lot of people who struggle with addiction, my brother Seth, who I lost to addiction, brilliant. I mean, brilliant, 1,600 on the SATs, advanced in like every way, just a brilliant guy. And that, that didn't protect you. And that's the thing about addiction that you can't, you can't out, you can't out fox it. Um, let's go to one more call before we get to the break. And then we'll do a whole bunch of calls when we get back. Larry in Brooklyn. Go ahead, Larry. Hi, how you doing, Anthony? First of all, Merry Christmas, happy holidays and Th- all that. Thank you, stuff. sir. Thank you. Uh, yeah. The previous guy you were talking about with the addiction, uh, it's really just keep it, Plain and simple, and analyzation is paralyzation. But I met you when you had your office on Nostrand Avenue between Avenue Z and Avenue Y. That was quite a while ago, right? I never had an office on Nostrand. I had an office on, on Avenue U between East 19th and Ocean Avenue in Sheepshead Bay when I was in the city council. And then when I was in the con- when I was in Congress, I had an office in the old Lundy's building. That reminds me, I should really take Jordan to see at the old Lundy's building. You know, Lundy's, for those of you who are not Brooklynites, the, it, at its heyday was the largest restaurant in the, in the world. Like they'd see like 2,000 people on a Mother's Day. And then they converted into office. I, one of the things I did as a city council was I tried to keep – we're getting off on a tangent. This is the problem. This is the problem. I don't have the same discipline that James Golden has. We're going to go to a break. 800-84-WABC. We're going to take a bunch more calls, people weighing in. I'm telling you, a lot of no's, one or two yeses on the board, but a lot of no's on this notion of would you vote for the omnibus. And also a little later in the program, we're going to raise the question that is apropos of this holiday season. Um, does gratitude make you happy? We'll see you on the other side. This is the James Golden Rush Hour. 
This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snurdly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. And welcome back. This is Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden on the Rush Hour. Rick James of, like, I think Buffalo, New York, bring us back in. And we're talking a little bit about the omnibus. We're getting people who are in favor of it. Not, I explain there's some nuance to it. For those of you who are tuning in a little late, saying, whoa, whoa, Anthony Weiner, yes. It is me, the host of The Middle on the Weekends. If you're looking for me to be some kind of fire-breathing, wacko liberal, you got to go watch videos of me from 2009 or 10 or something. I'm I'm here and honored to be here on the Rush Hour, one of my favorite shows. And so we're going to take a few more calls. You know, again, I just want to make it clear, just because I'm explaining how this process works and why it's going to get the votes and why it's going to become law, it doesn't mean I think it's a good idea. And um, and that's the uh, that's the idea is that this stuff is is complicated. You you know, it's it's. It's a little bit like the idea of when you pay your taxes, you're paying for the whole federal government, you're paying for the stuff you don't like as well as the stuff you like. We don't do it a la carte because there's stuff that one party may like and the other party won't. And and that's the, the whole idea is compromise. I know it seems, it sounds like a vice. It's like calling it a dirty word, but in fact it is the way we've always gotten legislation done. But now, unfortunately, that compromise only happens once a year. Um, so let's go back to the calls. Let's go to Deborah in Brooklyn. Deborah, welcome aboard. Oh, uh, Anthony, very nice to hear you this afternoon. I often listen on Saturday afternoon. Uh, well, I'm kind of jumping ahead, uh, listening to all the different topics. I would have to say for me, uh, gratitude makes me happy because gratitude is like a discipline I have to practice. Happiness comes and goes. You know, if I don't get my way or circumstances didn't work out, I'm happy one minute and then I'm miserable the next. So the gratitude kind of gives me a stability that um, I can't explain any better than that. But it's a great topic and I appreciate it. Well, here's the way. And you are jumping ahead a little bit. Let's take a couple more calls on on the omnibus. And then I do want to talk about this because what what leads me to this is there is a whole body of science that just if you're feeling down – or if you're feeling that the whether it's something small like the weather or something big like some substantial misfortune that you had, just the exercise of making a gratitude list shows that it releases – now we're, we are going to the subject – shows that it releases the chemical in your brain, those two chemicals – I can't remember, dopamine and serotonin, whatever those two things are that that do seem to make people happy. And very often – when things are going well and people are like, okay, I should be happy. Why am I not? It's because they have not done that exercise of gratitude. But let's put that off for, for a moment. Well, I, I definitely want to do that. Maybe we'll do that closer to, to the end of the program because it's a great note to end on. But let me get a few calls because a lot of people have been waiting for, for quite some time. Uh, Mike and Yonkers, welcome to the Rush Hour. Are you with us, Mike? Uh, yeah, Anthony, can you hear me? I can. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Um Personally, no one plays better music than James Golden. That's the truth. That's the truth. And, you know, I just wanted to say that um, I, in the past, I really disliked you. And uh, after just listening to you and, and, you know, you're, you're, you seem very genuine now and very real. And I guess maybe because you're liberated from, uh, 
you know, what it is to be a, a politician. And um, for whatever reason, um, I kind of like warmed up to you over there, it's, Anthony. <laughs> it's, 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 it's nice of you to say, Mike. I can tell you getting knocked down, as far as I got knocked down, does give you a certain amount of humility. But uh, to, to, to tell me a little bit well, what you think about the bill. Well, what I think about the bill is it's as simple as this. I mean, I have conservative leanings, so and, and you did read some of the things that uh, that that conservatives sh- should should warm up to. But in all honesty, it, it's just as simple as this: we don't have the money. We keep doing this, and we're kicking a can down the road for a, a, a debt that is just growing and growing and growing. And your your son, who's 11 years old, his kids won't even be able to pay for this. And we need to really, you know, be conscious of that with with all of this craziness. Every time they 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 pass these bills that are so big that, that you don't have time to read them. Yeah, I mean, Mike, you make a great point, and thank you for, for the, the generosity of your opening remarks. I mean, it really is, you know, I think that uh, when people encounter me now, I think I am a little bit different, but I think all of us grow and learn and become better as we live. But here's the thing about the whole we don't have the money for this kind of thing. I have to tell you, Mike, whether it's conservatives or liberal or liberals – I don't get stopped by people who say I want to not do A, B, or C anymore. They say I want to close the border. I want to, I want to strengthen our military. I want to build the wall. I want to, whatever. If people have an instinct to believe that government can come in and do stuff for them because they have the other way to look at this, though, and this is the untold truth about about government. You know, there is a saying in Washington that the federal government is an insurance company with an army. And the reason they say that is that when you take the military out and you take things to take care of people's health and their retirement, meaning Medicare and Medicaid and um, Social Security, that's the retirement part, you don't have a heck of a lot left. That it's not like, you know, we and then and then you take the things that we do. Sure, we have craziness of michelle obama trails and whatever um but the stuff that we're doing interdiction of drugs at the border that takes money you gotta hire people to do that the people that that are checking us at the at the um at the airports the people that are are you know they're just they, they make sure that when we flush the toilet it goes somewhere and the water stays clean and all that kind of stuff that that's why you know none of us have read this bill but when you sit down and you really roll up your sleeves and look at the federal budget there is not giant tranches of stuff that you can say we can live without. Now, there are little things. And by the way, your little thing that you think is terrible, some other guy might think is great. I was in that situation. I represented um, Reese Park, Floyd Bennett Field. And one of the things I wanted to do, you know, now down there is is a facility called Aviator, which is we took one of the airport, one of the old hangars from Floyd Bennett Field, which was a civil airfield. And we converted it into a recreational facility. And it took some money to do that. Newtown Creek, when we were having it cleaned up to be a, as a super fund, it took some money to do that. Now, 9-11 health first responders, it took some money to do that. And if everyone just says, well, if it's not my district and not my constituents and not my place, I'm going to, I'm not going to have any, I'm not going to vote for the budget. Then yeah, you could probably bring down this bill because what it usually is, is someone's Pork, uh, someone's pork, uh, someone's pork, pork barrel, someone's pork barrel. <laughs> I've been out of the game so long, I forgot what the expressions are. Someone's pork barrel is another's important community program. But the, the numbers just don't add up. If you think you're going to somehow 
you know, stop our debt and deficits just by cutting programs one by one and not get to anything really important. I'm afraid you're wrong. I'm afraid you're wrong about that. Um, but I really do appreciate the call. Uh, let's uh, hear from Tommy in Brooklyn. Hey, Tommy, thank you for joining us on the Rush Hour. Hello, Mr. Weiner. Um, you were going to be the first Democrat that I, I would have voted for. Unfortunately, you're, you disappointed the city. Um, I was very angry when Mr. Katz hired you, but I have to give you a second chance, as Mr. Katz has done. You're very intelligent. You're very knowledgeable about many issues, although Curtis has you beat on knowledge about the city. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> I want to say I'm, I'm a survivor, and um, I hated you for what you did. But after listening to you, I've realized you're trying to do the next right thing. And I'm curious about what you are doing now for your recovery. Are you still in therapy? And how long do you think uh, that will be for? Well, Tommy, I appreciate it. And I appreciate the the willingness to, to give me a second listen. And I know I did. I disappointed a lot of people. And part of the amends that I'm making as part of my ninth step is, you know, trying to figure out how I make that amends. And, and, and one of those ways is to kind of be here on the radio trying to have a different kind of conversation, trying to honor the idea that we have, we come from different places, but we fundamentally have the same aspirations. So here's what my program looks like. I attend 12-step meetings every week. Um, I have a sponsor. I have sponsees. Um, I don't talk about that program. That program has a, 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 a strict adherence to anonymity that includes not discussing the details of it, but I'll go that far. I'm in therapy with someone who specializes with the addiction that I have, and I also am in a group therapy group that um, that I work with every week. And in addition to that, the stuff that kind of is between the cracks is that if someone calls me or emails me at wienerwabc at gmail.com or someone that sends a letter to the station or someone that finds me at home or someone that stops me on the street and says they want to talk about their struggles, I always take the time to do that. And the other way I try to deal with it is what I'm doing now, which is don't flinch at all when people say that they'd like to um, they'd like to discuss it. Because this time of year, around the holidays, um, and Tommy, you may know this if if you've if you've experienced some of these things. This this time of year around the holidays, there's a lot of people who really struggle. You know, there's a lot of this notion. This is a time to be happy. Go be happy. This is a time to go be with your family. Go be with your family. This is a time to celebrate, go to buy gifts and all these other types of things. And that type of, um, that type of pressure frequently leads people at this time of year to drink, to take drugs, to indulge in things online that they shouldn't be doing, um, to deal with gambling, to deal with eating, to, you know, the, the various ways that, um, that this manifests. And so I think this is a time of year that, yeah, yeah, I want to talk about the omnibus. I want to talk about when you talk about this at the end, end of the break, we talk about some holiday related things. But at the end of the day, um, it is a day to day struggle for a lot of people. I mean, I would be surprised if there are more than a handful of people in this audience who aren't one relationship removed, one work, one work group removed, one friend removed from someone who has been affected by addiction in some way. And every single thing that we are surrounded by, and I, not again, I don't want to, this is not why people tune into this program. They, they do need to talk about current events and to hear excellent music and to hear James Golden talk about his experiences. I'm just a visitor here. But one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that our society today, this pressure, this notion about pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps, by, 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 
giving it more effort by just leaning in, leaning in, leaning in. The the thing about radio as a format and the thing about it, about it is, is a certain amount of intimacy, the idea that there's another person you can turn to to ask for help, um, that there's nothing wrong with that. You know, the, 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 the whole thing that I read at the beginning, you know, this came to believe that there was something that you can do. And usually that means turning to someone else. But again, I don't want to bum everybody out. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. It's Anthony Weiner in for James Gold in the rush hour from 4 to 5. Then at, from 5 to 6, the top-rated TriCast in the area, uh, Cats at Night, John Katsimatidis and his panel of guests talking about the events of the day, about the issues of the day. He'll be coming in, 800-848-WABC. On the other side of the glass is um, is Rich and Joe. And when we come back, I'm going to raise the question again. Does happiness make you grateful or does gratitude make you happy when we come back? This is The Rush Hour with Bo Snerdley on the Red Apple Podcast Network. This is Anthony Weiner filling in for James Golden on the Rush Hour. One of the best Christmas soul songs that there is. If you miss any part of this program, you could always get it in the form of a podcast on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You can also get Post Nerdly's other podcast offerings as well as all the talent here at WABC Radio. And it's great to have you along today. We, we've been talking about the nuts and bolts of governing and we've mixed in some conversation about recovery as I have, as I have said from the beginning. Um, I'm un, I'm unperturbed about having to talk about it. I think it's one of the services that I can fill. But we want to talk a little bit now about the relationship between happiness and gratitude. And, you know, some people say, they say, no, my life is going so great. I'm so happy. I'm grateful. But there's an increasing body of evidence that goes the other direction that says that one of the ways to feel the feeling of happiness is to express gratitude. And so I guess gratitude is kind of broken down into into two parts. And I'm reading now from a guy called Robert Emmons. He's a professor of psychology at UCAL Davis, and he's written books about gratitude. And he defines gratitude as having two parts. You know, the first is an affirmation of goodness. This idea of the ability to look around and to always find something to feel grateful for. You know, I've got a warm pair of socks. I've got food in my stomach. I'm grateful that, I've, you know, I'm on this bus right now that is taking me where I need to go. Um, when I would, when I was in prison, I had this ritual of exercising and then I would do walks around the prison yard and I would just list off in my mind all the things that I was grateful for. And in prison, you <laughs> you have to you have to really 
strain to think of them. So the first element is just this this notion of, of like notice the gifts that you've gotten. And even if it's rough, you know, we all have stuff that we can that we can perceive as having good in the world. But the second part of gratitude is recognizing that the source of the goodness rests outside of ourselves, right? That we receive these gifts from other people, sometimes from a higher power or fate or the natural world. And in other words, that gratitude helps you realize that you wouldn't be where you are without the help of others. And that's a source of happiness. Like it, it, it has a way of kind of making the world around you feel like it's connected to, um, to the experience you're having. And like, and I got to tell you, I have done this. I have talked myself into feeling better by just making a list of gratitudes, being grateful for the folks here at WABC for giving me an opportunity, for John and Margot Katsimatidis, who I've known for years, for the the folks that are on the the Rush Hour team, Rich and Joe and and the people that just make this show possible, and have made me feel at home here in a you know as a substitute. Just the idea that that. You know, sure, I have had some comeuppances, but, you know, there's an enormous amount to be grateful for. Um, so that's it. So let's go to call, see if, if maybe people have a different perspective. Let's go to Dean in North Jersey. Go ahead, Dean. Thank you for joining us on the Rush Hour. Anthony, I am, uh, I am, well, I'll tell you this part later, but gratefulness, I think, has to um, come first because you're just not going to be happy. I mean, I struggled with, let's say, road rage. Right. So somebody cuts me off and I, you know, my happiness, whatever I'm pretending to be, just disappears and I'm going to go crazy on the guy. But then I'm grateful that I even have a car. I'm grateful that I have some place to go. Right. I'm grateful that I, I, I have a job, you know, and then all of a sudden I'm happy again because that's so meaningless. If you're grateful, a hundred percent, Dean. That is an that is an amazing. Did you have something else you wanted to add, or, or I don't yeah, want to cut you I off? I wanted to add that I never even wanted to talk to you because I didn't realize what kind of human being you are, and you're. I am learning so much from you. I mean, the facts that you give out, we come to different um, uh, uh, outcomes. We come to different thoughts and and different uh, ideas from those facts, but. Thank you. I mean, really, really, thank you a lot. And I just want to tell you that I think you have gotten so much wisdom and your your attitude has changed so much that, hold your ears, I think you're going to be a conservative. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dean, thank you. And, and on this day, at this moment, as I look down at my feet, I'm grateful for you, Dean. I'm grateful for your call because it gave perspective. I'm grateful for the kindness that you've shown. But Dean makes a good point that goes in the opposite direction as well. How many times, how many times have we observed someone in our life who has every reason to be so, so grateful? They're living in a beautiful home. Their kids are healthy, whatever. And they're expressing some need or want for something that, you know, to make it perfect. Um, rather than just looking around and saying, you know, geez, Louise. You know, and you wind up being like, I'm grateful for this person. I'm on behalf of them and the beautiful life that they're living, the amazing life that they're living. Um, I just think that the that the important thing about gratitude is is that second part, this notion that other people are involved with it. 
You know, if you think of the example that Dean gave, Dean, Dean, by the way, hit all the important points, right? It was someone else who was causing his disquietness, you know, someone doing something stupid on the highway, right? So that was having an input on his on, on making him pissed off. And yet our unwillingness is to sometimes realize, wait a minute, all these other things in our life, those are people too. The job that that that, that Dean had to the the place that he got to had to go, you know, the 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 the, the gratitude that he had that he had the you know to that made a salary that meant that he can buy clothes for his kids and everything else. So while we're very eager and often all too eager to jump down someone else's throat who causes us some form of discomfort, I think then the other side of the coin, if we were to have kind of this mojo about, you know, look, we would not be here alone. And let me look, we're running out of time and, and hopefully I get a chance to speak to you again and or you could tune in. Uh, tomorrow, tomorrow on, on the middle at two o'clock, we're going to have a conversation a little bit like this. And if you think I've really gone soft, this will confirm it. Taking a look at the great religions and what we can learn in politics from the great religious teachings, like to be a little bit more of these different things. But let me just con- conclude with, with, with this thought. You know, w- we have, you know, on talk radio, in sports, in life, maybe. There is this notion of it's us versus them. It's that guy versus me. It's conflict. We like it. It's like we like sports for that reason. It's conflict. Who's going to win that battle? Who's going to win that game? And in politics, all too often, it was like, who's going to win this vote? Who's going to win this argument? When, in fact, all of our happiness is tied up with stuff that the other guy is doing. We're in this together. We and we have a common aspiration, and that aspiration is to leave a world a little better than the one we found. And I am grateful that you've given me the opportunity to come into your home and to share that with you for all of those that are going to be with your family, be safe, drive slowly. If you're in a four-wheel drive car, that doesn't mean it can do anything. If you I got the autopilot on, turn it off. I'm praying for all of you, and I'm really grateful for all of you joining us on the Rush Hour. We'll see you next week at 4 o'clock. is the rush hour with those nerdly on the red apple podcast network